Hey, I hope you're having a good week. Welcome to episode nine of the podcast. So before we get into that, I just want to give a huge shout out to my friend Gio, whose Instagram is Sounds by Gio. Uh, Gio helped edit, well, he edited all this podcast actually, because I had a bit of a mess with uh, trying to sync up my voice to the Skype audio that I'd recorded for Daniel's voice. And uh, yeah, Gio was the, the man behind making it all happen seamlessly. Alright, so today I'm sitting in with my good friend Daniel Weiss. And Daniel's a guitar player from Israel who I first uh, heard of in 2016 when he was a finalist in Guitar Idol. But since then he's become an artist, released music and also an online teacher who made a fantastic course called 51 Galactic Jazz Licks. And I've checked it out and it's, it's really great, so I do suggest you all check it out. It'll be in the description of the podcast. And one final thing is a lot of Daniel's plans have changed since we recorded this podcast, obviously due to the, the situation. So if you want to go and support him, you can click below and you'll find links to his uh, his courses. And yeah, I really suggest checking him out. So without further ado... Let's welcome Mr. Daniel Weiss on to Sitting In. Sweet. All right, we're live now. What's up, Daniel? Hey, what's up, Bryce? Yeah, man. So um, what's uh, what's life like in Israel? Let's dive straight into it because I've never been. And uh, I know it's uh, it's definitely putting out some great musicians right now. And you're one of them. So um, what's what's happening? What's happening in Israel, man? Um, well... The weather is nice, there's a beach, and the vibes are good, and I'm enjoying it, but it's very subjective. Everyone will tell you something else. Yeah. Fun here in Tel Aviv. Cool, man. Sweet. So, tell me, what, what were you doing this morning? Because you told me just before the podcast, and I'm, I'm jealous already, because in Scotland, we have a lot of, a lot of rain. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been, um, I've been experiencing some cold weather back in... The Boston and uh. New York days, but um, yeah, t- this morning um, it was just like um, some coffee and meditation in the beach, uh, like two minutes from my house. Awesome! So that's that's, that's amazing. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, we we actually do have a beach quite close to Edinburgh, uh, but it's not like uh, it's not warm at all. <laughs> that certainly makes a difference when you're sitting by the coast. But um, yeah, man, awesome. So. It's fantastic to have you here. I've been wanting to chat to you for a while now, and it's good that we've finally kind of managed to make some time in our schedules. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I'm really happy with it. With it. We're doing this. We've been in touch for a while now. Yeah, it has, it's been a while, and I found you, I think it was just on Instagram. I saw you playing, and I was like, oh, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's great. And then recently, maybe in the last year or so, I know that you released on, um, like a lick package thing, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna check that out. So I've been I've been stealing some of your ideas. <laughs> Steal away. That's why I put. The, I mean, I'm really happy you you're into it, man. Thank you very much. Oh, fantastic! Great. So let's uh, let's just talk a little bit about the the music scene in Israel because um, I know three musicians actually yourself, Rotem, and uh, Gilad, um, who I believe are all from. Are they all from Tel Aviv or just Israel? Yeah, um, I think they're all from Tel Aviv. Um, Gilad hasn't been living in uh, Israel for like more than a decade, but uh, I think he was from Tel Aviv. I'm not sure. Um, right. But um, yeah, it's a very small country, so we're all kind of like from the same city. 
Yeah, so tell, tell me a bit about that. What's the music scene like in Tel Aviv? Um, well, there's no really music scene um, per se as in as, as failed as in New York or so, but um, there are um, it's a big bunch of like really, really talented people. And um, I think it's kind of like anywhere in the world. But uh, here, it's a smaller country. So, you know, if, if someone is going to actually go and invest himself into jazz, usually people kind of rise to the top. Mm, nice. Sorry, I, I thought I lost you there for a second, but we're still here. Um, ah, um, but yeah, no, that, that's, that's cool. So would you say that like... Uh, Tel Aviv somewhere you'd like to settle for the foreseeable future because I know you spent a large time or a large sort of chunk of time in Boston Yeah, I've been I've been in Boston for uh, for Berkeley. I did Berkeley College of Music, and um, then I moved to New York, and uh, then I came back. What brought you back to Tel Aviv then, after living in the what seems like the the central hub for jazz music in the world? What brought you back to Tel Aviv? Um, just you know, I just, the, the overall energy and vibe of uh, New York was kind of too much for me. I try, I tried like doing it, but it's, it was kind of too much. Mm. And um, coming back to Tel Aviv, um, you know, everything felt more right. And it, it also kind of, um, you know, I also felt it in my music and in my overall well-being. Oh, right. That's interesting to hear. I th- certainly know that it takes a certain type of person to live in New York City, and those who are brought up there seem to do the best because they're, uh, it's in their DNA to be able to grind and do all that. Um, yeah, so would you would you say that you're you're quite happy just settling in Tel Aviv for the next sort of while? Um, yeah, I would say because, like, you know, it's less about um, the grinding Thing. It's more about like making things you have in your in your mind and in your heart actually become reality. And it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't need to be such a crazy job um, of taking trains and stuff. Like for me, and I think for you as well, it's like mm. kind of like all available online today. If you want to put a course out, if you want to put an album out, if you want to put content. If you want to get a certain gig, it's kind of like, I mean, maybe certain gig is more geographical um, related, but um, yeah, I I feel like uh, it doesn't really matter um, where you live or, I mean, yeah, if if you make good stuff, people, people all over the world today can check it out. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's great to hear you saying that because, um, I, I certainly agree to some extent and I think you, you can live wherever you want in the world and make it happen, so to speak, depending on what your goal is. You know, if you want to tour with uh, 
the biggest jazz artist in the world, then you probably want to be hanging around those sort of scenes. But um, yeah, yeah, that's no, that, that that's cool. So would you say that you're you're more concerned with having like uh, I guess a, a comfortable space that you can express yourself within, sort of mindfully, as opposed to being in a city that's constantly pushing you into smaller, smaller holes where it's like you have to really grind to get into them. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I know what you're saying. I think it feels very natural to me to um, to have this this space and, um, and and peace of mind to connect to a deeper part of myself that cr- either creates content, music, or even just talks in a certain way, writes in a certain way uh, that is is reflecting well-being and, and flow hopefully to inspire others. Um, I will as well enjoy inspiring others because, you know, it's like a boomerang. Whatever energy you put out comes back to you. And I had had a really hard time to put that um, vital energy in New York for me personally. Um, It created kind of like a distortion that here it's, I feel way much flow and and I'm using the internet to express what I'm feeling over here, outside. And, you know, I think that's what's so beautiful about the internet right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Have you ever, um, have you ever came across Maslow's hierarchy of needs? So, yeah. yeah, cool. Because it sounds like you're talking exactly about that. And in case you're listening, don't know what that means. It's essentially... Uh, a visual representation it's like a it's a triangle and at the bottom it's got like foundational needs like uh it could be basic human needs like uh shelter and food and then it's like love and then at the top i'm pretty sure it's like uh, self-actualization and before that is maybe like creativity or something and um i guess what you're what you're pointing at is sorry yeah the belonging part as well yeah totally and i guess what you're pointing at is if you can't feel uh, I guess comfortable in those bottom levels, you're never going to be able to express yourself to the point of uh, true expression. You can express ideas through creativity, but um, I think you need to be in a certain place, you know, mentally, but also physically. And I think that's what I do enjoy about living in Edinburgh is that um, it's very affordable and uh, everything everything's sort of like it's quite easy for me to take care of things and thus i can put more out into the world that is um exactly uh, yeah more true i guess yeah you got it exactly that's exactly the point yeah man cool i mean that's really nice to hear and i'm i'm really glad that you're um i don't know like we've never had a chat like actually in like uh through a call before but to hear you like saying that is, is really nice to hear um so there's something there's probably um um there's probably a reason why we both picked up art and, and music <laughs> related yeah. to other subjects we connected for sure yeah and i think it is i was speaking to my my mom about this recently actually um and i think it is something to do with that connection um but what I was going to ask you, Daniel, was so this morning you um, you said that you had done some meditation. And I'm just curious how how important your practice uh, of meditation is to your music, because you seem like quite a holistic person who sees things as a whole. And um, 
is that something that you try and practice daily and how important do you think it is to your creativity I think um I think it's extremely important. I think we don't really play our instruments after like the first three or four years that we play. We start playing our, um, it's not, it's not, I mean, who's playing the instrument anyway? Who's writing music <laughs> anyway? Like it's, is it someone who's trying to be someone else or is it you? I mean, you know, the main thing is, for me is uh, to be super inspired, but then when I'm picking up the instrument and trying to create, kind of listen to any, it can be an inspiration echo, or it can be a consciousness echo, or just an energy. Uh, it can be something I'm, I'm creating to, to compromise, uh, to, um, not to compromise, to, um, you know, maybe heal a certain part. I mean, there's so many parts of it. So, uh, I'm I'm not some meditation expert or something, but um, I am aware of. I mean, I think I think most of us are. I don't know. Um, kind of aware of like my mental state and how it connects with my work. It's not only like um, practicing music. It can be even editing my my videos. Uh, it works mm -hmm. so uh, just flow in general. Um, yeah. To, to to feel flow, you know, whenever like. Even when we're talking right now, for me, it's, it's kind of the same as if we were playing or, it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I guess, if I'm not mistaken, it's, uh, it's that connection to the present moment in all things, whether it be music, talking, standing in line uh, to get some groceries or brushing your teeth, I guess. You're trying to be connected to what's happening. And, um, it's just fun. It's, it's just funner. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people go through life and it's almost like um, they don't realize it, but they're, the river is just pulling them down the stream and they're just accepting that this is what happens. And when you have that moment where you wake up and you realize that it's like, oh, right, I'm in control. And you can start making these decisions like, you know, even just the first time you become aware of the fact that you're breathing and you follow your breath and you be there with it. it's um. It can certainly be the catalyst for a lot of, I think, very positive personal development and also creativity as well, because when you can learn to be in the moment with your art, there's so much more that can be uh, like discovered, I think, and you're more open to receiving that information, I would say. So, yeah. 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 Uh, meditation was like something that I think developed me as a person a lot but also my music and I was I was really like really serious about the practice of it for so long um and it's funny because I remember the first time I had a break from meditating was let's say it was like uh eight months every single day for like up to 20 minutes maybe longer um and then it was when I visited New York and it was so hectic and um I just couldn't find the mental like space to like try and even try to get into that space. And I remember speaking to Rotom actually. I was saying, "How do you stay like I don't know like mindful while you're living in this city? Because there's just so much happening all the time." And I can't remember what his answer was, but um, 
yeah, no, I, I know, I know where, or sorry, what you're, what you're getting at, and I, I totally agree. And if anybody's listening and have not considered any of these ideas, a good place to start, um, I'm sure you've got some recommendations, but I would recommend checking out uh, Kenny Werner's book, Effortless Mastery. Wow, that book, wow, that was a good, a good read back in Berkeley. <laughs> I really needed that. Yeah, man, my, um, uh, my lecture, uh, in college, she recommended it to me, and when I read it, it was like I'd never really gotten into that kind of thing before, but it really just changed the game. And um, yeah, no, I I recommend it to all my students, and those who have actually checked it out are always super grateful because it's yeah, it it definitely opens some doors in your uh, in your mind. At least it did for me. Well. Yeah, I I I um used to read John Kabat-Zinn's books. You know that guy? No, I've never. No. He's um he's an author about meditation and mindfulness, and um he's talking a lot about uh, paying attention. There were there was uh, this book of his that I really loved. It's called uh, "Coming to Our Senses." It's really good. I oh, should no. read it again. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of books, other ones. There's um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Have you read that? No. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. And then, um, are you familiar with Ram Dass's teachings? No. Ah, well, you should check out some of his stuff. Um, he actually just passed away recently. But um, he... Yeah, he was, he's got a few few books out. One called uh, Be Here Now is his kind of most most popular one. But he has a film out called Becoming Nobody. And it kind of explores what you were saying at the beginning about who is creating music. And his answer to that, in a way, would, for himself, hopefully be nobody. And he, he really he goes quite deep into that, that idea of becoming nobody. It's really interesting. You should check it out. Yeah, I would. I will check it out. Nice. Oh, great, great. Um, so, uh, would it be fair to categorize you in a way? If I had to, you know, like if I was a record label and I was wanting to take you on, I would probably say like you play jazz music. Is that fair? Um, I I guess uh, <laughs> uh, I don't like. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm. I'm like. A, I create swing music for sure. Right, right, right. Maybe it's more like a because prog fusion is became this uh, thing in jazz. Jazz, you know, is a big word these days. Yeah, and it's uh, sometimes you have to tread lightly when you're speaking to certain people because I don't, I don't particularly want to get into the subject, but uh, right, right. How, how, how know how to categorize my music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I would say. Kind of mm. confident with confidence, um, adventurous, optimistic instrumental music. <laughs> Fantastic. That's what I feel my music is. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of textures. Like it can be so many stuff. I do know that I'm trying to promote hope and optimism with my music. I don't really. I'm not really inspired by the dark side of creating music mm. um i i respect it but it doesn't come natural to me 
what what do you mean by the dark side of creating music? Um, you know, create music for um, um, like you know, some people are amazing at expressing aggression on their instruments and music. They're amazing at it. Right. And I can kind of pull it off, but it won't be really authentic. Uh, maybe in back in my teens, like when I was really into metal and stuff and all the hormones. So maybe back then that was easier. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean... It sounds to me like uh, if you could sum it up maybe in one word, it might be honest music because it sounds like you're trying to stay into, you know, what is you want to be putting out. And that seems like it might not be that you're a, uh, an aggressive person, for example, or an angry person. So it's that going back to what you said earlier about or what I said, actually, about you being quite holistic. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested in hearing uh, this record that you've got to be putting out because... Um, it's coming out soon, I believe, right? Yeah, it will be. It will be uh, out like probably May or or June, something like that. Mm. So let's let's chat about that for a bit. The um, what's the record going to be called? That's a good. That's a good question. Cool. <laughs> I still have like I still have like a few names. Yeah, yeah. Um. The, the cover, the art, is um, I put like lots of thought into it with um, this um, really amazing um, kind of like graphic designer and painter that is, um, yeah, he did some amazing work. His name is Christopher, Christopher uh, Moskler, and... Um, he did some amazing work. We talked a lot about diving deep in, into into creating music, and he came up with a cool piece of art. Cool, fantastic! I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, so the art itself, how how inspired by the music? Like I, I'm guessing they're inspired, but I mean, like, um, is there some sort of synesthesia link going on where, like, the colors of each track are represented in the image or the shape of uh, you know the kind of contour that a, a piece might have. Are they in it, or is it more like an all-encompassing representation of the whole piece of music as an album? There's a few signs and there's a few images that are related, but um, mostly mostly the idea, the the, the energy of the album that experiences kind of like a, a journey. Mm -hmm. He's expressed. You can see me kind of diving. And I'm, I'm like in a diver's suit and I have my guitar and I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like reaching out to the, to the listener and, uh, with the, with my other hand, I'm pointing on, um, on a, on a kind of like sci-fi, uh, uh, futuristic tambourine. <laughs> nice. In the background. And, uh, and, and, and. Like the whole setting is like un an underwater uh, kind of cathedral thing. Wow, nice! I I'm stoked to see that. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> cool, fantastic. So, if if you don't mind, maybe we could talk about some of the tracks in the record. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, let's do that. All right, sweet. So, how many tracks have you got then? Seven tracks. Seven. All right, so. Um, is there an order for those tracks already? 
Yeah, kind of. All right. Well, cool. Hopefully. Okay. All right. What? Why don't you just tell me the name of one of the tracks? And in fact, tell me tell me the name of three tracks, and I'll choose one that we can maybe talk about based on the sound that I like of the name. <laughs> so uh, we have Land of the Dreamers. Cool. Um, there's K4Y, which means kicks for Yaniv, because it's how we kind of... Yaniv is the piano player and also co-composer of some uh, of the tracks. Right. Um, so it started with some kicks. And um, there's a tune called um, Dan's Mode. And um, there's a tune called Earth. And the finishing track is called Back Home. There's another one titled Mass. And I'm not even sure if all of those names are the final names. But. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about K4Y? That sounds pretty interesting. What was the process behind creating that composition? Oh, wow. That, that's actually the more... Um, well, most of the album is very melodic and like... Um, you know, you have some actual long notes. <laughs> <laughs> And K4Y was the place to uh, to completely not do that. Like it, it's uh, it's a very modern. I guess it is modern jazz, and there's a, there's a lot of notes happening, and cool. even some uh, polyrhythms. So that was more, um, I guess, kind of like more like uh, um, creating things from a very I, I guess there's some logic going on in there. Um, yeah, how can you... It's very hard to talk about it, but it's not in a certain scale or anything. It's just like a burst of... like. Would you say it's more rhythmic then? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's rhythmic and... Yeah. Nice. Maybe I'll send you a sample of it and you can, you can put it... In this, uh, that's that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Um, what about the tune uh, Earth? Where did that come from? Um, I started composing Earth like really long time ago, and um, I wanted to kind of have the feeling of an earthy feeling to the tune. That like there's melodies and there's different parts and and. Um, kind of get that that feeling and I, st- I started it off and I never never completed it in Yaniv Taubenhaus by the way he's a great friend of Rotten also cool. um, he he really helped me to complete this piece sweet and can you tell me a bit about maybe the um uh maybe if we can get into some of the harmonic content inside it that helps create the kind of vibe that we were looking for or was it more just like based upon melodies that kind of interweave with each other and support uh yeah it's a combination it's a it's a combination of of intuition i guess all, all the album is totally something that was written with a sense of um of flow like there was never something that I mean, most of the pieces were kind of the, 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 you know, just picking up the instrument and kind of going with the ideas. Like uh, me and Yaniv, he's in New York and I'm, I'm over here in Tel Aviv. We, 
we shared lots of ideas and, and our main rule was that we never get stuck over anything. Like if it's always, um, any idea is always a good idea. That was kind of the, um, the attitude we had to the composition process. Cool. And so how did that, how did that collaboration work then if he was in New York and you were uh, in Tel Aviv? I would, I would say WhatsApping each other just through WhatsApp. Um, like, let's say I would, um, I would have this song. So I would open the camera of my phone and I would play him the song. And then I would say, you know, I feel this is great, but I'm really looking for something like that in the, in the middle of the tune or what, what do you think? And then he would send me something. He would say, he would, sometimes he would just improvise like, Hmm, maybe something like this. And I was, okay, cool. Can you give me another option? And then he would send me another idea. And, and then I would like, nice. So I would transcribe it and maybe kind of sketch it out in logic and send him a, a sketch of our two ideas matched. Cool. And uh, then he would kind of expand on it. And then we would keep doing that for a few songs. And um, when we felt the song is ready, I would, I would just write the notation to all of the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got seven of these done. And then he came to visit. Um, I was like, listen, when you're coming here, we're going to take a day, like 14 hours in the studio that I know. We went there for 14, 14 hours, like, wow. And we recorded the whole thing. We did like two or three takes for each track, seven tracks. Cool. With a full band, like a drummer, amazing drummer. Uh, you gave Gabay and uh, Sharon Petrover, two drummers. Mm-hmm. And the uh, bass player is uh, Lior Ozeri. He's also in my project, uh, Square to Check, our project. It's like a band, progressive band. Cool. And um, Omri Abramov, sax player from Berlin. And they all kind of, you know, I, I gave them the freedom to kind of change change uh, interpretations of melodies and stuff but mostly everything was composed and uh, some space for improvisations cool nice and so that took uh one 14-hour session correct yeah all right how much coffee was consumed <laughs> i remember i guess like seven cups yeah <laughs> <laughs> like uh, as the number of tracks you know? yeah that that's pretty hardcore, like a fourteen hour session. Man, I get tired after like a day, like six, eight hours in a studio and I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, it, it I mean, I was super pumped about it. So, you know, it depends. Like, you know, we can you won't believe like what we can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's about that energy and everybody being enthusiastic. Yeah, and and also, there was no other way to do it because he only came for a few days and all right. the musicians were there. So we like, I split it into into two groups, like one group, drummer, bass, um, sax player, another, another, and another group, just like a, another bass player and drummer. And uh, the cameraman, actually, he worked more than any of us. Yeah. Uh, he had to have his camera 
and running in between cameras for 14 hours. Damn. I think he worked harder than the musicians. <laughs> Amazing. I have everything. I have like four, I have like, um, I guess I have all the songs videoed and I have some just like other things we, we did in the studio all filmed. So maybe I'll just release it as a movie or something. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's pretty inspirational. Like really great job on that. It's, uh, it's not easy. <laughs> and I know like even being a band leader is like stressful enough. So how did you find, you know, obviously you're not going to talk about if there are any specific mishaps, but how, how did you find it being a, I guess you were like the project leader, right? Yeah. I am. Yeah. Cool. So, so how do you find being a project leader in a situation more like, like that where there's, uh, how many guys, like eight different musicians, you said? Something like that. Yeah, so like, say eight different musicians in a studio for 14 hours, because, you know, you're the one, I guess, employing them or whatever it is that you're doing for that session. Like, how how did you deal with that? Because I imagine that being stressful. Um, what I did is um, I practiced the music to the point that, I can play two perfect takes in a row without like that. I can actually look at them and I'm like, okay, this is great. And right. that took a really long time because I knew that if I need to go into the studio and conduct such a long session, the playing part should be like almost subconsciously there. Like it does it, it, I, I don't even have time to worry about if my takes are good or not. By the right. way, the Yaniv, the pianists, and actually all the musicians, like, I mean, they did such an amazing work. They came so prepared. Um, all of the takes were great. I just, I just picked like seven that seems a little better, but all the takes were great. Um, and um, yeah, and you know, then when you have a good a good take and then another good take. So it's just fun and, and you don't feel tired or anything. Um, although we did kind of collapse after 14 hours. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I need a day off or something after. Yeah, two days for sure. Nice, yeah. So um, after, the, after the album's released, uh, what's the plan? Are you going to try and tour that stuff or are you just going to keep it as like a more an online thing? Well, I would love to to have the the opportunity to play this music live, and even if you know, even just in a trio or even just me alone, whatever I can do. It it, it is a music that is best expressed as the album's form, um, like quintet or maybe quartet. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really. I was so uh, busy doing the album, so I didn't really have any time to... I, I mean, the, the whole promotion part and booking and stuff like that, I guess that's the next level. Like, okay, yeah. the album is ready, maybe a few people are digging it and everything. There's no label, it's all independent. Mm -hmm. um, I'll have to either educate myself on this or I'll have to hire someone. I'm still seeing like um, 
the budget and all that stuff. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. It's uh, it's one thing creating the art, but then finding a way to get in front of people's faces is like uh, that's that's the work, I guess. Yeah, it's it should actually you should I would say like it's 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 more important like uh, than the creation of of anything like to promote it and to to reach people. It depends on if you're creating just for yourself, that's or for your friends, that's okay. But I would definitely. I'm definitely trying to reach as many people as I can. Yeah, I mean, there, social media is like obviously incredibly helpful for these things nowadays. And you know, even the fact that we're sitting here talking uh, in different countries, you know, like that's that's all because of social media, I guess. And I'm, by the way, really curious to hear um, your input about how you grow you grow your Instagram and. Uh, Oh, cool! Yeah, why? Why not? Let's just talk about that for a bit. Um, um, I'll I'll try and keep it brief because there's probably some more intricate details that um would take more time. But uh, maybe I should just start at the beginning and explain. I guess, yeah. Um, so hmm. from a young age, like when when we started using social media, I can't remember what age probably around the same age as uh whenever you started maybe like uh 13 maybe a bit younger right um no well i just started like a few years ago oh right i'm 32 i guess you're younger than me right right yeah i'm uh what age am i i'm 24 okay so yeah so i started instagram when i was like 20 right 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 yeah Nine. Oh, cool. Yeah, I I never started Instagram that early, but generally social media. And I remember when I was um when I was like say thirteen or something, I managed to get uh, like a thousand followers on Twitter. And I remember being like, oh wow, that's interesting. Um, and then I deleted Twitter because it was boring, and I don't know what a thirteen year old does on Twitter anyway, but complain. <laughs> um, and so I I just didn't use it for a while, and then. During that period, I'd been learning to play guitar, obviously. And then let's just say fast forward like four years. I was in my last year of high school and I was uh, 16 years old. And I remember I was doing the, you know, the song Crazy Train. Ozzy Osbourne. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was doing that for an exam. And uh, I don't know why, but my friend had his phone. And he was like, oh, we should make a video and put it on YouTube. And so I was like, yeah, cool. I'd never done that before. So I recorded a video of me playing the solo um, and I put it on YouTube and I never got many views at all. Um, but then I continued to do that because I, I enjoyed the process of like recording and uh, like putting it out. And so I started using YouTube and that never took off at all. Um, but I wasn't aiming for that. You know, I was just having fun. And then eventually uh, Instagram comes along and I started using that maybe about four years ago. Um, Yeah, maybe about four, maybe even five years ago. And But at the start, it was just like nonsense, you know, like selfies and all that crap when you're drunk and (laughs) uh, young. And then I remember they started to allow you to put videos up. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so I just put up like 15 second guitar lick cause you could only do 15 seconds at the time. Um, and then 
eventually I remember I got like a hundred views, not even a hundred likes, like a hundred views on something. I was like, whoa, that's, that's cool. Cause I'd had that on YouTube, but I didn't ever have that on, I don't know, somewhere else. And eventually I just kind of like, uh, I just kept putting out more content cause I enjoyed it. And it became like a practice diary of some sort where I was documenting stuff I was working on. Cause I'd only just started looking at like improvisation and I was just playing like blues I guess blues music and then funk and eventually transitioned into um, whatever I'm doing right now. Uh, and yeah, that that was a kind of long chunk of time, maybe like three three years. But the numbers got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And I remember making it to like a thousand followers after like seven months of like actually trying to grow a presence. And it was, it was so hard. And I remember Sam Blakelock had just started to pick up jazz at the time and he had just made it to like 2000 um and so this was like way at the beginning and um we were we were always talking about like how how he had been growing his page and how I was struggling and um what happened was I I started to use my girlfriend's camera and at the time nobody was using cameras on Instagram it was all just like rubbish phone recordings um and I started using this camera with like a nice lens. I didn't realize at the time that all the videos looked yellow, but um, it was better quality than anybody else was doing at the time. And that helped me kind of push along, uh, like we're, um, I guess, getting more followers. Uh, and I just kept putting out content every single day. Like I had a video going out and I would sit on a Sunday evening and I would record like six videos or something and take like five different photos of different pieces of gear and it was like a it was like a job for me, but I could do it because I was at university and not you know I, I had time for it, uh, so I just made time for it and treated it like a job. And um, eventually, you know, the numbers kind of keep going and keep going, and then it stops for ages, and then it keeps going. Um, but that's that's generally what the process has been. And nowadays, I've not put a lot of work into. It. I'm more focused on like developing the relationships I have with uh I guess the the brands that I'm affiliated with so I'm trying to just focus on those and just create music that I want to create because social media takes up a heck of a lot of time if you want to do it and even nowadays like everybody's everybody's good at it and um it's like it's hard it's really hard you have is to do the main thing these days like is that what you do for a living as well what, like, make Instagram videos? Yeah, like, you know, do you actually make a living from all the no. social platforms? No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> the, the way it works is that, so there are a couple of companies that I'm working with a bit closer, like D'Angelico Guitars and then D'Addario Strings, for example. And there are a couple other ones on the side, but, I mean, I'm not paid by any of these companies. I receive, like, gear, uh, which is fantastic. But the, you know, the money comes in because I can promote myself as a teacher. And so I have, stu I have students all over the world that I teach, uh, sometimes weekly and sometimes biweekly, uh, through Skype. Yeah. So my, yeah, so I, I've definitely earned a fair bit of money because of Instagram, but not through Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I've done like a few paid promotions for people but it's uh yeah it's not making me money like every day it's like 
you know, think about the conversion rate of how many people ask for students and then how many people take lessons. But yeah. if, you get, if you get one conversion who takes lessons for a year, think about the return on investment. It's pretty high, really. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole return of investment is something that I'm 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 really looking at as well because I'm trying to reach lots of people with my course and and um, you know I've 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 been kind of studying this like I, I I didn't do any any promotion or anything I just I just really wanted to have a course because people like were asking me for 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 the for licks. So I just yeah. like okay, if someone wants one, like if someone needs any any licks, here you go, <laughs> and uh, and 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 people are you know are into it. So I'm seeing the opportunity to to have more freedom, like of choice with what I want to do, what kind of gigs I want to do. If you can actually, if 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 I, if I learn how to brand myself and, and create a bigger following, yeah. I think it's it's certainly difficult nowadays. Like I I could not get to like the numbers that I have at least for followers. But you have to bear in mind that followers don't really mean that much. It's the actual engagement. And if you look at my engagement right now, my engagement is honestly pretty terrible. It used to be fantastic. Like uh, yeah, I used to I used to get a lot of engagement, but nowadays it's it's not and that's that's fine. I don't I don't mind. Um yeah. I mean, but, if you have like your 500 or 2,000 or whatever number. True yeah, so yeah totally. Yeah. yeah, but the, yeah, don't don't get kind of bogged down in the numbers too much. Just, uh, just I, th- I think you should just keep doing what you're doing, but just keep doing it. <laughs> and yeah, sure. there are certain things you can do to get in front of people's faces. And I managed to get to... I actually got to like 50k followers. Now it's gone down, but I done that without paying a penny on advertising. Uh, and that was using hashtags or just like posting a lot? Uh, I mean, it was neither one or the other. Hashtags, are, they were fine for like supplementing, but it was more that I was just creating content consistently, but also content that maybe people wanted to see at that time. But nowadays... I don't play the same music that I used to play. Like it's changed a lot, basically. I mean, it's still me, but the the kind of backdrop of it is is a completely different color from what it used to be. For example, that people enjoyed, and that's why people aren't engaging with me as much because the sound is a bit more niche. But it's not. It's still not super niche. You know, it's like there's an audience. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah, I mean nowadays, like I'm, 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 I would consider myself like more out of touch with it than I was because it was, I think it was easier to grow a page when I had just started because not that many people were doing it. Mm. So nowadays it's so saturated. It's like trying to start a YouTube page in 2020. You can yeah. do it absolutely, but it needs to be the best thing out there. Mm. But once upon a time, starting YouTube in 2000 nine for example it's way easier because the fields like not everybody's doing it yeah yeah but yeah yeah, i i can't give you any specific advice other than like put stuff out that people want and provide value to them but you're doing that already so yeah 
I mean, there there are certainly intricate things you could look at, like targeted ads and all that kind of stuff. But then we're talking about proper marketing, and I think that would be another chat. <laughs> yeah, that would be another chat for sure. Yeah, but I think the social media thing's great. It's it's fun, but it can't be all you do. So no, that's not all I do. You know. Um, but speaking about your record, so obviously that was, or it seems like it was your main project for a while. What else are you currently involved with? Do you do much teaching, or are you just playing shows all the time, or what's your kind of, what's your thing? Yeah, I'm I'm doing um, some functional gigs, you would say, you would call it. Yep. Um, playing um, in this musical called Mamma Mia. It's kind of like all over the world. But I'm doing it only here in Tel Aviv. Yeah. And um, it's uh, it's a Broadway kind of ABBA show. That's It's fun music. And um, I'm also in, a, in doing a lots of teaching, lots of teaching online. Um, Skype and the Instagram video works as well. Nice. And... Um, yeah, recordings, all that kind of session work. And what else? I have my band Square to Check. That's uh, it's like Prague. Um, I don't know if you checked it out. I did check it out a while ago, but I've not checked it recently. Yeah, so that's basically it. <laughs> Sweet, nice. And so uh, Square to Check, are you guys all based in Tel Aviv then? Yeah, we're on. Ah, cool. Nice. So if I if I come to Tel Aviv, I need to make sure that you're playing a show, so I can come and see you then, right? Yeah, of course, man. If you come <laughs> to Tel Aviv, we can uh, we can hang. Yeah, man. Oh, great! I I would love to. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's let's just kind of finish off with one one last thing. So, the first time I did actually hear of you, I think it was because um. Oh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Tom Quayle and something to do with Guitar Idol? Like, was he maybe a judge or...? That's how you heard about me from, from Tom? No, no, not directly, but like maybe it was on on a YouTube thing or a comment or I, I can't even remember. But I do, I, I have an image in my head of Tom Quayle saying something about you. <laughs> yeah, we did, um, I, I, I was at the 2016 Guitar Idol competition. Um, it's actually a funny story. Like I didn't even uh, know that I'm I'm going there, um, that I reached the finals, um, and um, they actually called me to say uh, that I wasn't responding to <laughs> to the May emails. All oh, right. For some reason, I think it wasn't the right email, or I don't know what happened. And it was really really cool because I. A friend of mine put a video. <laughs> he said it was like I signed you up, <laughs> and I, I didn't even know about the guitar idol thing. Right. So um, the bass player from my band scored the check, and um, yeah, next thing I know, I'm I'm playing in London in front of like all these amazing uh, guys. It was like um, Tom Quail. It. Um, yeah, so 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 probably from there. 
Wow, cool, nice one, man. So that whole process, 2016, how did that help uh, propel your career? Was there anything, you know, that that came from it that you think was, uh, you know, particularly, what am I trying to say? You know, basically, did you find that that competition and being involved with it helped your career? Um, yeah, it definitely helped. Like, um, I did some videos for Lick Library, and um, then from there, kind of people uh, followed me and stuff or checked out the band. And it was also good to just be in touch, you know, with Tom. And, and I talked with him a little bit about his career, and he gave me, he, he gave me some good advice. And he talked to me also about his website and how he creates um, yeah. courses, and that, that was really inspiring. Cool. Um, so are you, are you at, sorry, on you go, man. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was definitely good. Good, nice. And you're working on a new course as well, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, it's coming <laughs> coming up. Nice. Can you tell me what that's uh, what that's about? Sure. So it's um it's gonna be more basic level and all the way to advanced. Cool. It's gonna be a lot of a lot of things um like connecting dots on the guitar into these um, creative devices, you know, that you can express yourself over harmony or um, just creating freedom on the guitar neck. And um, I'm using lots of, I'm talking a lot about, like in the most more basic things, I'm I'm talking a lot about um, finding how you can create really cool stuff using simple things, I guess, like triads and, Add nine triads or yeah. arpeggios, or maybe um, how you can kind of superimpose a sound and a different scale or embellishing chromatics. Um, kind of just giving a very open view on my perspective, and everything is, you know, I'm, I'm like it's like an open lecture, and then there's like. A, a bunch of exercises and um nice yeah and everything that yeah. sounds great basic and the more advanced stuff is is gonna go into some rhythms and the altered scale melodic minor and all that good fun sweet that sounds great man and if you're listening and you've not checked out you should go and get daniel's uh is it 51 galactic jazz licks is that right that's right yeah yeah it's awesome there's so many great ideas in there and i sometimes when i'm feeling uninspired i'll just open up that uh that web page and i'll just like steal liquor too and it's uh it's fantastic for like for me you know i'm not going through learning every lick because i personally don't i don't get much out of doing that but when i'm feeling in a bit of a rut or like uh, uninspired I'll definitely dig into that. And I actually put a video up the other day, remember, on my story where I'd learned one of your licks. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, um, yeah, I love it. So you should all go check it out. The, the main thing about these licks is that um, they kind of express the different colors and taste that you can create over either a static chord or a, a, 
uh, tension and release environment. It it can be a you know it can be a two five one, but it can also just be one chord, mm-hmm. and um, kind of explores different sounds of tension and release. Yeah, no, and that's what I love about it. Um, when I heard it, it was that. Well, I guess the simple idea of tension and release, and that's what drew me in. And that's actually one thing that I really like about your playing. Uh, I am always drawn to sounds that pull me out a little bit. Not necessarily like outside of the key, speaking like that literally, but something that pulls maybe rhythmic or harmonically a bit outside of what's happening and then takes you back in. And I always remember my first introduction to that with Mike Stern, and I was just like hooked straight away. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very ear pleasing. Yeah, for us, uh, just jazz nerds. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a very human thing of like being taken out somewhere and then put somewhere safe again. The safe place feels even better when you've been somewhere that wasn't as safe, you know. And so to do that with your melodies, unfortunately, not everybody uh, enjoys the uncomfortable part of being outside. But when you take them back, it's that resolution, and everybody likes resolution. It's what Western music is uh, built on. And you know, I, it's not—it's not all coming from my mind. I'm like super inspired by so many players that I see as well. Just like you, I'm—I'm I'm always like searching for, uh, uh, like there's there's a list of players, but let's see what comes to mind. There's Camilo uh, Velandia. Wow, you know that guy. No, I've never heard of him. He's really amazing. He's actually the guitar player of uh, Julio Iglesias as well. Oh, cool. And he he's amazing. There's Thomas Griggs that I, I think you know him. Yep. Thomas, uh, really amazing player. I have um, on my YouTube channel, I have like um, a, an open talk with him about like the way we kind of check out stuff on the guitar. And uh, there's always new new people, you know. Gilad Exelman is amazing. Jonathan Kreisberg, Mike Moreno, yeah. Julian Lage, I think that's how you say his last name. Yeah, yeah, Lage. Lage and Lagelund, like wow. Yeah. Lagelund? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I I saw him live uh, in summer. It was it was great. Nice. Yeah, he was playing with uh, the the saxophone player Melissa Melissa someone. Yeah, Melissa and I, we, we were like uh, in Berkeley together. Oh, awesome. Nice. So she's, yeah, she was already back then. She was really amazing. Yeah. Sweet, man. All right. So if we can uh, wrap it up, do you have any, uh, any words of wisdom to pass on to the listeners or any advice that you'd give to someone listening who's maybe, uh, you know, creating music? Um, Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no. Let me see. Um, well, yeah, I do. Whenever any student comes in, um, the first thing I'm asking him is, where would you like to be in five years from now with whatever brought you to this lesson? Cool. And then he would say something like, um, I would like to experience more more flow in this or this area. One would what maybe what like I had people say I would like to have more gigs, and another guy saying I want to know how to improvise 
so that I feel like it's part of my expression. So, so as long as you know, like one or two goals, not more, not like five goals or four goals, like one or two goals, and you do something every day to go to that direction, you'll be you you get there eventually. If it's ten years or twenty years, so play the longer play the long-term game with your one or two goals um, and have fun, but also work hard. And um, whatever you do, try and make it an expression of who you are and not who someone else is expecting you to be, you know? Absolutely, man. Finding this truth and one or two goals and just going for just going with that for like 20 years now or something all right if you made it this far congrats i hope you enjoyed the episode and please do remember that if you want to support the podcast by getting some merch or supporting daniel getting his courses you can check out the uh the show notes below all right stay safe have fun and i will see you next week